0: Program created by Rio Grande. San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office calling all cars, attending all cars about at 279 regarding emergency. Be on the lookout for a woman described as five feet, weight 102 pounds, has black hair, brown eyes, maybe arms.
1: That's all. is good.
0: but I'm not in a guessing mood. That's the way thousands of motorists feel about gasoline. Why guess about a thing so important when you can know? Why experiment? Trying to find out if the extravagant and prejudiced claims made for this or that motor fuel are on the up and up when the disinterested testimony of the men who drive the most and know the most about gasoline tells you that Rio Grande Cracks has all the qualities they demand for emergency driving under all conditions. Rely on the word of the men who drive your police car, ambulance, fire engines, and other must-guess their automobiles. They say that no gasoline equals real grand a crack when it comes to quick getaway, immediate acceleration, maximum power and speed, and mileage. It's a fact, not guesswork that more emergency cars are powered by this better gasoline wherever it is sold than any other brand. Quit guessing, friends. No. Get the most your automobile has to give you by tanking up with Rio Grande Cracks, the most highly recommended gasoline sold in the way. The fact around which tonight's Calling All Cars program has been built have been taken from the confidential files of the Sheriff of San Joaquin County. We have therefore asked Sheriff Martin Anslow to prepare a foreword for our program. Tonight's story is one that was enacted in the town of Stockton many years ago. It was a cleverly planned crime and one which took many hours and days of continuous work to break. Modern police methods have made the work of the law enforcement officer easier. But no improvement in methods could ever make a peace officer more relentless in the pursuit of a criminal. It's the duty of a law enforcement officer to prove that crime is a losing game. And no matter how clever a criminal thinks he is, sooner or later he's going to learn, as did the woman whose story you're about to hear, that the law cannot lose and that crime never can pay. On the early evening of Saturday, March 24th, 1906, two baggage men employed for the Southern Pacific Railway of Stockton, California were preparing to weigh the incoming mail. Come on, Al, let's weigh this mail and get over with. Just a minute, let while oh, I pull this chunk off the of scale. <laughs> What's the matter, Al? Getting sore? No, I'm not getting no. soft. It bothered to look. You should have seen to yourself this flame thing weighs 245 pounds. Yeah? Sure. Whoever belongs to this trunk must have filled it with anvils. Oh, well, people put funny things in trunks sometimes. Come on, let's get at this mail. Hold on a second, Fred. Something funny inside this thing. Listen while I rock it. Hmm. Sounds like something's loose in there. Something pretty big and heavy, too. Yeah. You don't suppose somebody's shipping a trunk load of meat somewhere, do you? <laughs> I don't know. People do crazy things. Anyway, I guess the weather's cold enough to preserve meat for a few days if somebody wanted to ship it. Why, golly, Fred, this thing's got my curiosity up. (laughs) Uh oh There's something dead in that trunk just as sure as you're born. Suppose it could be a human body. Oh, gosh, Fred. For the love of Mikey, give me the chills. Just the same, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that's what it is. Well, well, what do you think we better do? All the cops, of course. Here, let me hit that telephone. Say, operator, get me the police station, will you? Yeah. Hello? Listen, I'm calling from the baggage room down at the Southern Pacific Depot. Say, we've got a trunk here that we think has a dead body in it. A few minutes later, Chief of Police E.J. Baker, accompanied by Captain of Police W.L. Walker and several other officers, ...arrived at the Southern Pacific baggage room and began questioning the two men on duty there.
1: This
0: is the trunk you phoned us about, is it? Yes, sir. let see. Where's it supposed to be shipped? Well, I'm not exactly sure. It put on a baggage coach, bound for Sacramento this afternoon, along with the suitcase. They were taken off, and the boys on the train couldn't find any checks on them. Mm, no checks, eh? Notice. checks. Say, there is a sort of funny odor in here, Chief. Yes, I noticed it, Walker. Well, just standing here isn't going to tell us anything. Help you boys get the ropes off that trunk and see if you can't find something to break the lock with. Yes, the
2: sir. Uh, there's a hammer and pole laying around here somewhere. I think that, Yeah,
0: yeah, there they are. No, that's fine, thanks. Patricia, you got a brand new trunk. The rope looks new, too. Uh, yes, I know. That isn't a cheap trunk either. The funny thing, there isn't some mark of identification on it. There it is. I shouldn't think a person would want to take a chance of losing a good trunk like that. Well, there it is. seat. Lock's broken. All right, boys. Raise up the lid and let's have a look inside. <laughs>
1: uh-huh,
0: I know it. Well, looks like your suspicions are right, fellas. Yeah. Take a look at the body. Have you, heard, have you ever seen that man before? No, not me. Me neither. Hey, that fellow hasn't is. been dead very long, Chief. How oh, do you know, Walter? That yes, he's here. Inside of the trunk stains of fresh blood. It's still damp. Jones, that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was still alive when he was shoved into it. Well, there's a lot of things that'll have to be found out about this. In the meantime, one thing is sure, this is a case of deliberate cold-blooded murder. <laughs> Following day, Keith Baker and District Attorney Norton were discussing the case with Sheriff Walter F. Sibley in the latter's office while awaiting a report on the unidentified body from Coroner A.T. Souther. And you say this man was neatly dressed, Baker? Yes, his coat and shoes were missing, Sheriff, but there was nothing to to indicate that he'd struggled with anyone. His clothes were in perfect order, even to the crease in his trousers. I see. Tell me, just how was he laying in the trunk? Well, he was on his back with his head down in one corner. The body was doubled up at the hips and the knees pressing downward on the chest and the legs and feet pushing up against the inside of the trunk top. Uh-huh. Was there anything besides the body in the trunk? Yes, there was quite a bit of men's clothing, presumably his. We searched this stuff thoroughly as well as the clothes he was wearing. There was no mark of identification on anything. Or anything in the pockets to give us a clue as to who we might have been. Was it the kind of a trunk that would ordinarily be fitted with trays? Yes, that is there was a place for a large tray at the top. Naturally, the tray had been removed to make room for the body, Mr. Norton. Well, and it strikes me it'd be a good thing to locate that tray. Maybe we'd learn something. I've assigned Officer Frank Friari to the case. I'm hoping you have something to report by this evening. Yes, I hope so too. This business has already gotten enough publicity for four murders that's probably the coroner. He called to say He'll be right over. Come in. Oh, hello, Southwood. Got anything for us? Hello, Chief. Sheriff. All right, Mr. Norton? i fine, thanks. Sit down won't you. Well, Southwood, what'd you find out? Uh, gentlemen, this case has got me stumped. Well, what do you mean? Well, in the first place, we couldn't find a sign of a wound except a few slight bruises near the top of the head. Later, when we examined the skull and brain, we found conclusively that these bruises held no significance whatsoever. That's odd. And how do you account for the blood we found in the trunk? And it evidently came from the man's nose. Probably as a result of being knocked around while he was in there. Now what about poison? I'm getting to that. Minute examination of the vital organs is made, and no stain or odor of any poison is found. Did you test potassium cyanide? That sometimes is rather hard to detect. Yes, but the results were negative. As a matter of fact, every organ in the man's body was found to be in a normal, healthy condition. Frankly, we're completely mystified as to the cause of death. It couldn't have been suffocation. Oh, no, no. We'd have known that at once, Mr. Norton. You're sure that your analysis is correct, Corner? Positive. However, to make doubly certain, I'm taking the vital organs to San Francisco for an expert chemical analysis. That's a good idea. So now, gentlemen, all we have to do is find out not only who this man is and who killed him, but also, how in the world a perfectly healthy, vigorous young man could come by his death without a mark on it? Frank Briare, the officer whom Pete Baker had entrusted with the investigation, quickly learned the identity of the expressman who had driven the trunk to the depot in his wagon. Locating the man, Briare then found out the trunk had been delivered from room 97 in the San Joaquin house. He immediately went there and carefully searched the designated room. Finding little of interest, he questioned the proprietors. So, uh, McVickers was the name of the people who occupied room 97, eh? Yes, sir. Mr. and Mrs. Albert and McVickers. They registered
1: here on Friday evening.
0: Mm, that would be day before yesterday, wouldn't it? And you say they checked out yesterday afternoon? Yes,
1: that is, uh, Mrs. McVickers checked out
0: for the two of them. I didn't see anything of Mr. McVickers... What did you say they registered from? Uh, Jamestown, California. Ah, Jamestown, eh? That's the little mining town east of here, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Well, did you see anything of a new trunk among the McVickers' belongings? Why, yes. Mrs. McVickers had one sent up to the hotel yesterday morning, and then had it checked out early in the afternoon. I see. And uh, did these people leave anything behind them? Uh, in their room, I mean? The boy who cleaned up after the beaches uh, found the box up there, but, but I believe that's all. Uh, it's the box over there in the corner. Stop. Well, Looks more like a trunk tray to me. Yes, I suppose that's what it is. Well, I'm afraid I'll have to take it along with me. It's yes. all I don't imagine they'll come back for it anyway. Well, it's a safe bet that Mr. McClicker won't be back after it. Several hours after Officer Priority reported the results of his investigation, to Chief Baker, there was a conference in the office of Sheriff Sibley, at which District Attorney Norton and Under-Sheriff Carlton Case, were present. Are those baggage men located the suitcase that was taken off a of the Sacramento train along with a trunk breaker. Yes, they did, Mr. Norton. It was brought to my office this morning. Yeah? What was in it? I have a notation of its contents right here. Now, oh, there was some woman's wearing apparel and uh, several letters from a man in San Francisco addressed to Mrs. Emma LeDoux. Photographs of both the dead man and Mrs. McVickers shaving mug bearing the initials A.N. McV and a bottle of beef iron and wine tonic. Do you have the photographs with you? Oh, yes. And here they are, Miss Norton. Mm.
1: Mrs. McVickers
0: is a pretty little thing, isn't she? Yeah. Do you have the people at the hotel come down to the morgue to see if they could identify the body? Oh, yes. They positively identified it as that of Mr. McVickers. They also identified Mrs. McVickers by these pictures, but nobody seems to know where she is, huh? Mm-hmm. no. we haven't been able to find a place of her, Mr. Morton. You know, something happened a little while ago that really has me puzzled. Huh? What's that? Well, some fellow who comes from Amador County was in the police station and had a look at these photographs. He instantly identified Mrs. McVickers as a Mrs. LeDoux, the same name that's on these letters. He says she lives on a ranch up at Martell Station between Jackson and Sutter Creek. Oh, he did, huh? Do you suppose that could mean that Mrs. McVickers and Mrs. Medu are one and the same person? That's what I'd like very much to know. Well, one thing is certain, gentlemen. We've got to find her, and just as quickly as we possibly can. Any mm, and it's Joe? Yes. We know that trunk was originally put on the train to Sacramento. So I think we'd better send Captain Walker up there to see what he can find out. The letters we found in the suitcase came from San Francisco. I suggest Case were there. And see if he can get a line on the woman. Well, that's reasonable. Chief Baker can concentrate on Stockton here, Now I'll go on up to Amador County and see whether or not there's any connection between Mrs. McVickers and Mrs. Ledoux. Fine. That's the plan. That ought to get results. Each of the officers left immediately for his destination as outlined by Sheriff Bay. Under-Sheriff Case, arriving in San Francisco late Sunday evening, had just returned to his hotel after several hours of unsuccessful search with the telephone in his room, suddenly of Well, uh, oh, who in blazes can be calling me if one o'clock in the morning? Hello? Hello,
2: Case. Mr. Sibley.
0: Oh, yes, Sheriff.
2: I'm calling from up to Ben Hawley? Yes. He's a particular friend of Mr. McVickers. Well, how did you find
0: out? Oh, I found out a lot of things. I had a horse and a here, and I've been
2: driving around the county all day. asking questions of everybody. I, thought
0: course, might know anything. You haven't located Mrs. McVickers, have you? No, that's why I'm calling
2: you. But I found out that Mrs. McVickers and Mrs. McVickers, the
0: Jew are the same woman. Is that
2: right? Yes. Robert the Jew is a huge rancher up here. You know, he's a marriage either or
0: about the other. Well I'll be hanged. I learned from Mrs.
2: McVickers' mother that her daughter was living there at the ranch table she told me that Mrs. McVicus had left the same on Friday, that she was been going and beneath this hallway. It seems that she's been
0: going with this man, so she might be there now. Try and locate him as soon as you can, would you, Case?
2: Yeah, I'll get onto it right away, sir. Bye. Goodbye. And let me know the minute you.
0: What's the idea of waking a man up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, you'll know in a minute. I'm an officer. see. Well, right. you know? come on in. Thanks. Right. what's well, uh, trouble. Anything wrong? Her name's Holly, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know a woman by the name of Miss Vickers, or LaDue? Miss mm. Vickers, or LaDue? No. No, I can't say I do. You're do. You about that? Yeah. Yeah. Take a look have of that. You see this woman before? By... Uh, yeah, I thought you said you didn't know her. Well, I wouldn't know her by the name you gave me. This woman is Mrs. Wilcox, Emma Wilcox. Mrs. Wilcox in the mistaken? No, that's Mrs. Wilcox, all right. I know her very well. She lives up in Amador County. She engaged to marry her last year. Her husband had just died in Arizona a short time before. Mr. Wilcox? Yeah. When did you last see, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Vickers or Wilcox or whatever her name is? Uh, yesterday afternoon. Yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I got a telegram from you know from Stockton last Saturday morning. She said she wanted to meet me at the Regent Hotel. That she was leaving Stockton on the two fifty-five train. Did you meet her? <laughs> yes, sir. I'll, I uh, met her at the corner of Fifth and Market Street. We went to a restaurant and then danced for a while and. I her again yesterday afternoon and took her across the uh, bay to Point Richmond, where she caught a train for Stockton. Yeah, see, well, I do not keep you up any longer, Mister well, thanks a lot for your information. Within an hour, under Sheriff Case, managed to locate the conductor of the train Mrs. MacDuffie had boarded and learned that she had gotten off at Antioch. Then he had needed to put in a long-distance call to Sheriff Field of across the County in which Antioch is located, describing the woman and suggesting the distress of the hotel she made. A short time later, Terrifield called back, and informed case that the woman answering his description had been located and was being held until his arrival. Chase then telephoned to the be Attorney Norton in Stockton, telling him that Mrs. McVickers was in the custody of Antioch officers and arranging to meet him there. Thoroughly afternoon of that same Monday, Cage and Norton met Sheriff Beale in the lobby of a small Andrewal Hotel, and together they confronted a tiny and jolly attractive brunette. You're Mrs. Albert McVitish, aren't you?
3: Yeah, that's my name.
0: I'd like to ask you some questions, Mrs. McVitish.
3: Sure, why not?
0: You know these men are police officers, don't you?
3: Certainly. May I look back, stupid?
0: Uh, Sheriff Beale tells me you're trying to register here as Mrs. Jones from San Francisco. Why
3: did you do that? I had my reasons, but they are what you think. I know what the trouble is and why you're here, but I have nothing to be afraid about.
0: Well, and uh, to hear that, Mrs. McVickers, I suppose you tell us everything you've been doing since you and your husband registered at the San Joaquin house in Scotland
1: last Friday. Of
3: course, that's easy enough. Mr. McVickers and I registered at the San Joaquin house last Friday, as you said, and then we went out for dinner. After that, we went over to Allison's Furniture Store to exchange some furniture.
0: Exchange some furniture?
3: Now, yes, you see, we bought some furniture at Allison's when we were last in Stockton several weeks ago. Mr. McVickers had intended to send it up to Jamestown, where he worked as a timberman in the Wellman gold mine.
0: You mean we were going to start housekeeping up there?
3: No, sir, not me. He was going to batch it with some of the boys, but he took sick and quit his job, figuring on going to Arizona the first of next week on account of his health. He'd drawn all his pay and was settling up his account before he went. He wouldn't need the furniture in Arizona, so he told me I could have it.
0: You see. You weren't intending to go with him.
3: Uh-uh. I was going to take the furniture and go back to the ranch and live with my mother.
0: What happened after you left the furniture store?
3: Well, we ran into a friend of Mr. McVickers, a man by the name of Joe Miller. He came up to our hotel room and we sat around for a while, and then he and Mr. McVickers went out somewhere together. They didn't get in until oh, I'd say about four o'clock Saturday morning.
0: Well, what happened then?
3: Well they woke me up when they came in, making an awful lot of noise. Both Miller and Miss and the
1: <laughs> Wake up, honey. Wake up. He's got yeah. somebody. Don't <laughs> bother him. Now let her sleep. Uh, <laughs> have a drink. Oh, okay. well, uh, What's uh,
3: the meaning of this uh, down this uh, business? You uh, want to disgrace us both?
1: Nothing of it, honey. Nothing, uh, nothing,
0: uh, nothing uh, else. Uh, no, uh, 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 he's nice. been having fun. Not as has been having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just won
3: every cent I had in the world. glad you give the man his money and come on to bed. Oh, give him his money. Give him his
0: money. You see, I'm crazy? I want him to win. No, you didn't win. He stole it,
1: you see. All right, well, who's are right, you, are. Please, please, stop uh, this uh, argument. So wake
3: up the hotel. Uh, all all right, you'll all wake yeah. up the hotel. Yeah, who cares? I'm, I'm going to get my money. money. I'll yeah. see that I'll give you back your money in the yeah. morning, yeah. Mr. Miller. Oh, yeah. Listen, I want you to get out of this yeah. room before I get somebody yeah. to put you out. Go ahead, sure. Yeah, go on, yeah, go. I'm going to get yeah,
1: my money right now. All right, hey, all I want, Mr. Miller, I'm going to get the manager.
0: You did call the manager, Mrs. McVickers?
3: No. No, I started to, but he thought better of it. After a few minutes, I came back to the room. It was all upset as if there had been quite a tussle. Mr. Miller had gone, but Mr. McVickers was on his knees on the floor, awfully sick. What did you do then? Well, I, I helped him up from the floor, and he sat down on the edge of the bed. He, he kept saying, I can't get my book. Then I started to get a paper to stand in me, but... Before I could do anything, he fell over sideways on the bed, like this. Okay. Cool. Well, I got a glass of water and tried to give it to him, but he couldn't drink it. It it all ran down his face. Then I went out into the hall to try and get help and let Mr. Miller coming out of his room. Where do you
0: think you're
3: going? i fainted. I'm going to get help. No, no, you're
0: not. Come on back in your room with me. But
3: I've got to get help. Well, no, you don't have
0: to do anything, but keep your mouth shut. Now, come on in here. Yeah, all right. Wait a minute, girl. i have a look at him.
3: I'm afraid, Mr. Miller. He's lying awful still. Oh,
0: shut up. Let me handle this. Yeah. Yeah. well, look here, Mrs. and Mrs. Richards. we got to use our heads. Your husband's dead. He's
1: dead? Yeah. Let me
0: out of here. Let me out. I've got to tell the manager. Get in here, you fool. I'll just get that key in my pocket until I'm ready to open the door. If you know what's good for you, you'll listen to what I have to say. All right. What else can now, I, I do? If you ever mention my name in this business, it'll be the last thing you ever do, understand? Yes. Now then, listen. As soon as the doors are open, I want you to go out and buy a good strong trunk uh-huh. with two thousand body to San Francisco and keep it in storage for a year or so. Oh, this is a
3: terrible
0: mess you got oh, nothing stop to Stop worrying. If you do as I say, everything will be all right. Here, some money to get the trunk with. And uh-huh. be sure it's a depot. You might as well get some ropes to tie it with, too. All right. And tell the expressman who turns the trunk over. To call for it again about noon. Then all you have to do is check out of the hotel and the rest to me. So you went out and bought the trunk and the rope, huh?
3: Yeah. Then, then after I checked out of the San Joaquin house, I took the train for San Francisco where I was to meet Mr. Miller the next day.
0: Did you meet anyone in San Francisco you knew?
3: Yes. Uh, while, while I was eating in a restaurant Saturday evening, um, Mr. Hawley came in. He's a man who did some work for my mother once. After dinner, he took me to my hotel, where Miller had told, told me to register as Mrs. Wilcox. I
0: see. Did you meet this Miller on Sunday as you'd arranged? Uh,
3: yes. I I wanted to get home to Mother's Ranch, but Miller was watching me. In the afternoon, he took me across to Point Richmond on the ferry and told me to go to Antioch and register at this hotel as Mrs. Jones. He must have met me here this morning.
0: Did you telephone or telegraph from Stockton to anyone in San Francisco telling them that you were coming there?
3: No. No, I'm quite sure I didn't.
0: And you don't recognize this message I have in my hand this telegram sent to Ben Holly. Uh,
3: well, I.
0: No, no, I don't. One more question. Did the bottle of beef iron and wine found in Mr. McVicker's suitcase belong to you?
3: Why, yes. Yes, it did. I bought it at the drugstore under the San Joaquin house in Stockton.
0: About how many doses were taken out of the bottle? Two. And did you take them both?
3: Yeah, I did.
0: I'd like to ask a question, Mr. McVicker. Just when and where were you and Albert McVicker's married?
3: Four years ago at Bisbee, Arizona.
0: Oh, I see. Thank you. And now, Mrs. McVickers, I'm afraid we'll have to take you into custody and return you to Stockton. Murder is a mighty serious business, you know. Mrs. McVickers-Badue was returned to Stockton by the offices on the same day of her questioning and lodged in jail. At the same time, an intensive search was launched in an effort to apprehend the mysterious Joe Miller. Then began a systematic checking of the statements made at the office in Antidote for the prisoner. For several days, an almost constant stream of prospective witnesses filed through the office of District Attorney Norton, telling what they knew about the case. And when I delivered the trunk, she told me it was going on on the 1 o'clock train, that it would be heavy because she was going to pack a full of tissues. So, the so I came right back, with me. As I say, my wife and I have the room adjoining 97 at the San Joaquin House. We didn't go to bed that night until very late, but we heard no unusual noises or any disturbance any kind. And McVickers never said anything to me about quitting at the mine because he was sick. When McVickers asked for his pay, he said he was going to take over the management of the ranch where his wife's mother lives. said he'd make four dollars a day at the ranch. Where he really made free,
1: if it will,
0: sorry. Even as Mrs. McDicker's review statements had conflicted the those of Ben Hawley, so it was the case in many other instances. Then, several days after her return to Stockton, a Dr. Samuelson called at the office of District Attorney Morton. You wish to see me, Dr. Samuelson? Yes, I'm a physician and surgeon practicing in San Francisco. I read about this case in the papers and thought I'd better come and have a talk with you. I see. Well, go on, Dr. I've known you since for a number of years. On the evening of March twelfth, I had a call from her requesting me to come at once to the concert Hotel, where she and her husband were stopping. When I arrived, she told me that her husband was very ill and asked me to do something for him. She expressed the opinion that he might have been poisoned. And had he been? No, I think not. I treated him at the time and asked him if he knew what was the matter. He said that he didn't know, but that his wife had told him it was probably the clams and beer that had for supper. Hmm. Well, what then? She seemed to be getting better, so I got ready to leave. But before I went, Mrs. McVickers requested that I give her an order for sign out of potassium. And did you? Yes. I forget no excuse you gave me for wanting it, but I remember that I filled out the order. Well, this may turn out to be a very valuable bit of information. Possibly, but I haven't finished yet, Mr. Norton. The following morning, Mrs. McVickers came to my office and asked for some more things. She stated that she was addicted to the use of it and had been for years. She doesn't look like an narcotic addict to me, Doctor. Perhaps not. At all events, I gave her one gram, more 60 grains of morphine and half-grain tablets. Didn't you consider that rather dangerous? Well, as I say, I'm known Mrs. McVicker, so... Well, come in. Oh, I didn't know you were busy, Mr. Norton. Well, oh, that's I... all right, Baker. I wanted to talk to you about the McVicker's case. Incidentally, there was a telegram came for me a few minutes ago that I thought you might want to see. Yeah. Oh, pardon me a moment Doctor. Yeah. Copy of the one received by Coroner Southworth. Hmm. Examination submitted to me on March 26th with the stomach pantheon and liver of a dead man found stuffed in March 24th. It a small quantity of and large quantity of morphine. Persistent efforts to find cyanide of potassium result in positive proof of its absence. What do you think of that? Well, in view of what I've just learned from Dr. Samuelson here, combined with the findings of Dr. Rogers, I think we can get an immediate indictment against Mrs. McPhickers. Moments later, District Attorney Norton and Keith Baker were confronting Mrs. Ladue with this new evidence in her cell of a jail. Now, you might as well tell us about it, Mrs. McVickers. We know you did it, and we know why.
3: I didn't, I tell you. I didn't. It was Miller. Oh,
0: come now. We don't think there is any such person as Miller. You just made him up. Oh, that's not true. Miller killed my husband. No, Miller didn't, and nobody else except you. You were afraid that your secret of having two husbands would be discovered. Besides that, you wanted McVickers money, what little he had. No, no. Well, so you went to Jamestown and got McVickers to quit his job at the Wellman Mine. You told him that your mother would pay him a higher salary on her ranch, and you tricked him into believing you'd keep house for him there.
1: Lies, lies, they're all lies. Then you
0: made him collect all the money that was due him and brought him here to Stockton. And then you put some of the morphine you'd gotten from Dr. Samuelson into a glass of tonic, and delivered overdose. You meant to ship his body off in the trunk on the one o'clock train, but you couldn't do that because there wasn't near enough death at that time. That's true now, isn't it? Confess it. It's true.
3: I didn't kill him. Really, I didn't. It wasn't me. I admit I put Al's body in the trunk, but but I didn't kill him. I had a hard time doing it, because he was heavy. Terrible heavy. But I didn't
0: kill him. All right, Mrs. McVickers. That's all we wanted to know. What about this fellow Joe Miller? Ah, he's a guy that wrote a joke book. But this joke is on Emma, and she's going to have a long time to laugh at it. In just a moment, we will give you the concluding facts regarding our program. Start the work week right, friends. Make the business of driving a pleasure and a car saving, money saving satisfaction by taking with you wherever you go the safe and sure protection of Rio lube motor oil and Rio Grande Crisp. The more power, more miles to the gallon, gasoline the police car performance. Emma McVicker's was indicted and tried for murder and sentenced to be hanged. But her sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. Through the bitter years of a long life, he is learning that crime does not pay. At county Sheriff over calling all cars, events all cars, the town face across deaths, two hundred seventy nine, regarding the murder. The second case is known in custody. That's all. Rolling. Frederick Lundgren, giving you good night for Rio Grande. <laughs> Next week at this time, Rio Grande will present... A man who lost like an angel. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.